You're listening to the Catholic Fragments Podcast, where we explore the treasures of Catholicism, the fullness of truth revealed in Jesus Christ and His Church. I'm your host, Dr. Donald Wallenfang, and I invite you to join me in gathering up the fragments of the truth that sets us free. pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. A reading from the book of Proverbs, chapter 2. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands, turning your ear to wisdom, inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call for intelligence, and to understanding raise your voice, if you seek her like silver, and like hidden treasures search her out, Then will you understand the fear of the Lord, the knowledge of God you will find. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. St. John of the Cross, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of the Catholic Fragments Podcast. I'm Dr. Donald Wallenfang, and what a joy to introduce a lesser-known work of St. John of the Cross, namely his sayings of light and love. Oftentimes in the spiritual life and in the life of prayer, less is more. This is especially true for Carmelite spirituality. These sayings of light and love offer 175 short sayings to inspire the soul to love God and neighbor more. Over recent years, I have developed a habit of trying to read one of these sayings every day as part of my daily regimen of prayer. Each of these contemplative sayings of St. John of the Cross inflames my heart with divine love every time I read them. So it's a great gift for me to share this hidden treasure with you. First, we must ask, what exactly are the sayings of light and love written by St. John of the Cross? What do we know about their origin? Why did he write them? For what purpose did he write them? So I'm going to read just a short excerpt from the critical edition by Institute of Carmelite Studies Publications, where we find the English translation of the sayings of light and love by St. John of the Cross. Very helpful words of introduction here by the editors. So I quote, In the style of the apothems of the Desert Fathers, John of the Cross's teaching first comes in these hard, clean, unsentimental sayings that overflow with spiritual wisdom. So an apothem from the Greek phthegma, meaning voice, saying, or word, and the Greek verb phthengestai, to speak out, of the desert fathers. So in early Christianity, when men and women were taking leaves of the towns, villages, and cities, and going to live in the desert and in caves to seek God with all their being, the origins of monastic life, some of these fathers and mothers would write these wise sayings, known as apothems, and the sayings of light and love of St. John of the Cross 
are like these. So this is the tradition in which we would place them as a style of writing or literature. They give to their recipients treasures that must first be unlocked. As maxims, they were to be repeated and mulled over. When he was spiritual director in Avila, before he had undertaken any of his larger treatises, John jotted down many thoughts and counsels for the guidance of those whom he directed, probably similar to the ones expressed in the later collections. None of those earlier sayings has come down to us, but we know from witnesses that this practice was characteristic of the Carmelite confessor at that time. After John's imprisonment in Toledo, when he took up spiritual direction again, this time in Andalusia, he returned once more to the practice of condensing his thought into concise spiritual counsels for his penitents. They could keep them for inspiration, so as to be stirred in the Lord's service and love. Sometimes these sayings were directed to the particular needs of an individual. At other times, they were destined more for a group of persons. The number of sayings that circulated must have been large, but comparatively few have come down to us, and they come through different collections. So this critical edition of Saints Enlightened Love is 175 total maxims. And like I said in my words of introduction of this episode, I tried to pray one of these a day, pray with one of these every day. Sometimes they're very short, sometimes a short paragraph, but they're not very long in any case. And I really like that as a layperson, a married man, a family man, six children, I like to be able to grab a short text and mull over it. Definitely I do this with scripture more than anything else. But in addition to scripture, a certain style of discipleship that is called Carmelite from this Carmelite monastic tradition. I'm a third order Carmelite and so is my wife Megan. This is very helpful to cultivate a contemplative life of prayer, reading these short sayings. So I'd like to share with you the prologue of St. John that he writes introducing these 175 sayings of light and love. And then I want to share 11 of them with you. I hope that will all fit into this short space of 20-30 minutes. So here's what St. John of the Cross says in his prologue of these writings. He starts out with a prayer. O my God and my delight, for your love I have also desired to give my soul to composing these sayings of light and love concerning you. Since although I can express them in words, I do not have the works and virtues they imply, which is what pleases you, O my Lord, more than the words and wisdom they contain. May others, perhaps stirred by them, go forward in your service and love, in which I am wanting. I will thereby find consolation that these sayings be an occasion for your finding in others the things that I lack. Such humility by St. John of the Cross. We call him a saint to this day in the church because he has been canonized. But he points to his deficiencies right away and that he's writing these things, but he admittedly falls short of what they express. And they definitely express the heights of the life of contemplative prayer, the spiritual life, self-denial, so many things. And they are very hard to live fully. We can only do so by God's grace, of course. So St. John goes on to say, Lord, you love discretion. You love light. You love love. These three you love above the other operations of the soul. 
Hence, these will be sayings of discretion for the wayfarer, of lights for the way, and of love in the wayfaring. May there be nothing of worldly rhetoric in them, or the long-winded and dry eloquence of weak and artificial human wisdom, which never pleases you. So St. John of the Cross is explaining here why he calls them sayings of light and love. Light for the way of the wayfarer, and love in the journey itself. He goes on to say, Let us speak to the heart words bathed in sweetness and love that do indeed please you, removing obstacles and stumbling blocks from the paths of many souls who unknowingly trip and unconsciously walk in the path of error. Poor souls who think they are right in what concerns the following of your beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in becoming like him, imitating his life, actions, and virtues, and the form of his nakedness and purity of spirit. Father of mercies, come to our aid, for without you, Lord, we can do nothing. So another purpose he wrote these is to remove obstacles and stumbling blocks from people who otherwise would walk in the path of error. I know I'm one of them, and that's why I'm so thankful for these sayings. So let's dive in now to 11 short sayings of light and love of St. John of the Cross. I wish I could go through all 175, but that would probably take hours of reading them and offering commentary. <laughs> but at least I will choose 11 of these and share them with you. And you can go for yourself and look up these sayings. I believe they're published online. Or you can get your own copy of the critical edition of the collected works of St. John of the Cross through ICS publications. I want to begin with saying number 29, where he writes, A soul enkindled with love is a gentle, meek, humble, and patient soul. That's it. So that's an example of one of these. One short sentence, but we can see how wonderful it is. First of all, he's talking the human being in terms of the soul of the human being. That's that's a focal point of Carmelite spirituality, drawing attention to our souls, our spiritual core of our being. Yes, we have bodies, we are bodies, but bodies united to a personal spiritual core called the soul. The soul is created by God to be his dwelling place. This we read again in 1 Corinthians, St. Paul saying, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. The Carmelite saints remind us of this truth about the majesty of our human nature, that God created us to dwell in us, to live in us, to love in us and through us. And so a soul enkindled, so thinking about love as a fire, enkindled with the fire of divine love, he doesn't say is a choleric soul, an abrasive soul, a domineering soul, a loud soul, a get-her-done-at-whatever-cost soul. He says, a gentle, meek, humble, and patient soul. This is a paradox about Christian discipleship. So many things about Christianity are paradoxical. This is one of them. That to lead is to serve. That to exercise the greatest power is to be meek, humble, patient, gentle. And we could add to this, hidden, self-forgetful, and so on. But these qualities are not highly prized by the world, by popular culture. To be gentle, meek, 
humble and patient. Think of the sports culture, for example, when everything is about physical dominance and everyone cheers and the band plays and, oh, this is so great. It's not as great as this. Being gentle, meek, humble, and patient. But there's no stadium for this. There's not a crowd cheering around you. But there are a cloud of witnesses, of angels and saints, and the Most Holy Trinity that notices and delights in this way of life. So this is just one saying of light and love. You can see all the meaning we can squeeze from it and so much more. But to get through all 11, I'll continue on with the next one, saying 44. He writes, Be attentive to your reason in order to do what it tells you concerning the way to God. It will be more valuable before your God than all the works you perform without this attentiveness and all the spiritual delights you seek. So reason is very important in the Christian life. So many saints attest to this. I think two of St. Ignatius, Loyola, and his spiritual exercises when trying to discern the will of God, what inclines most toward reason, what's reasonable, what's rational, what's prudent. Be obedient to the prudence of reason. This is something wise to do. We can't forget reason or let emotion take reason for a ride, or eclipse reason. Reason is very important. It's like a compass for conscience and conscious life. It's a compass. Again, when we are purified of our sins, because reason itself can become clouded, but when we're purified of our sins, reason is a reliable witness to truth in relation always to divine revelation. Those things reason could not figure out on its own, the stuff of scripture, and the living tradition of the church, all the teachings of the church. Reason and revelation. But reason is very important. We can't forget this. Saying 49, If you purify your soul of attachments and desires, you will understand things spiritually. If you deny your appetite for them, you will enjoy their truth, understanding what is certain in them. So St. John of the Cross is very good about helping us examine all the attachments we have in our lives, all the various desires and appetites which often become disordered for various goods of earth. Material goods, things of pleasure, things of reputation, all this stuff. We need to be purified of all this in order to understand things spiritually and understand what is certain in things spiritual and material. So this necessary purification of soul is so important. And this is why in the liturgical year of the church, the liturgical cycle, we have these penitential seasons of Advent and Lent. And even with every Mass, we have the penitential rite, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy, that begins the liturgy. So this helps to purify us. The sacraments of the church constantly work to purify us, especially receiving Jesus in the Eucharist and the sacrament of penance, going to confession with some frequency to confess our sins and to receive the sacramental absolution from Christ through the ministerial priest. Saying 54, he writes, Souls will be unable to reach perfection who do not strive to be content with having nothing, in such fashion that their natural and spiritual desire is satisfied with emptiness. 
for this is necessary in order to reach the highest tranquility and peace of spirit. Hence the love of God in the pure and simple soul is almost continually in act. So profound. So wonderful what he's saying here about loving emptiness of our soul. It stands to reason if our soul is to be a spiritual vessel of God's love, it must be emptied, hollowed out, dilated, just like a pipe channeling water. It must be open and empty, content with having nothing. When we're content with having nothing, what is left? Everything. God. God is what our soul really desires, and nothing in this world can take God's place. It's not a kind of have your cake and eat it too phenomenon where we can have God and all the other good things of this world as well as if we're seeking them equally. To possess God, so to speak, means to possess nothing else, to give up everything else, not to hold tightly to anything else. And in this way, the love of God will be continually in act, continuing flowing through the soul, the pure and simple soul, who has renounced everything to follow Christ. Saying 60. This is one of the most famous of this work, Sayings of Light and Love. Saying 60, when St. John of the Cross says, When evening comes, you will be examined in love alone. Learn to love as God desires to be loved, and abandon your own ways of acting. So he means here, when the evening of life comes, when you die, you will be examined or judged in love alone. This is what our judgment is based on. It's not how much money we have. It's not all the accomplishments that fill our resume. It's not all these achievements of this or that on this world. The only achievement that really stands the test of time is how we love. How we love God. How we love the other person who faces us. How we love our family, friends, but also strangers. How we love is the evidence we present for our own judgment. Very powerful. And so you see how these sayings of light and love are worth going back to over and over again. They generate new meaning and inspiration every time. So just a handful more here. Saying 78, If you desire that devotion be born in your spirit, and that the love of God and the desire for divine things increase, cleanse your soul of every desire, attachment, and ambition in such a way that you have no concern about anything. Just as a sick person is immediately aware of good health once the bad humor or time of illness has been thrown off and a desire to eat is felt, so will you recover your health in God if you cure yourself, as was said. Without doing this, you will not advance, no matter how much you do. So another paradox of the Christian life, that we have to take time to do nothing and be with God and let ourselves be purified and cleansed in order for what we do to make a difference, to matter. Saying 97, The soul that walks in love neither tires others nor grows tired. So beautiful, and I think so true. Saying 100, The Father spoke one word, which was his Son. In this word he speaks always in eternal silence, and in silence must it be heard by the soul. So this is a miniature description of 
contemplative prayer, when we hear the word of the Father best in a silent space of contemplation, when the words start to trail off, the words of scripture, the teachings of the church, the words we find in liturgy and communal prayer, all these different things, the words we might spontaneously say to God, all this, yes, it's good, 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 and has its place. But in this spiritual tradition, there's this via negativa, as it's called, this negation of everything we say about God that lifts us toward union with God. Not that we negate it as it's not true, but that God transcends everything we say about God. And that hearing this word in silence, the silent embrace of love, is the best way to hear the word of the Father and to be lifted in the love who is God the Holy Spirit. Saying 103, To be taken with love for a soul, God does not look on its greatness, but on the greatness of its humility. Mm. Oh, I just love these, these paradoxes. They're just so true. So true. We think of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the most humble of all women, and this is why the Word became flesh in her, through her, because of the greatness of her humility, which too was a gift from God. Saying 137, two left. This is one of my favorites. It's uh, always a new challenge to read it. To lose always and let everyone else win is a trait of valiant souls, generous spirits, and unselfish hearts. It is their manner to give rather than receive even to the extent of giving themselves. They consider it a heavy burden to possess themselves and it pleases them more to be possessed by others and withdrawn from themselves, since we belong more to that infinite good, God, than we do to ourselves. Mmm, that is so rich. It's especially true when you raise children and you maybe quote-unquote compete with them in some kind of game or, you know, playing one-on-one basketball with my eight-year-old son, Oliver. I'm going to let him win. <laughs> I'm not going to go dunk the ball every time playing one-on-one with my eight-year-old son, Oliver. Or if I'm playing chess with him or anything else. I'm not going to uh, use my adult powers of, as they've been developed and everything to dominate over the other. But instead, I'm going to put all powers I have at the service of the other. I'm going to keep it a close game for fun. But I will not win in the end. Now when it comes to my 20-year-old son, Aubin, maybe that's a little different. Maybe I'll, I'll go a bit harder. And uh, especially if he wants me to play my hardest, you know, or something, and to see what happens. But I guess what I'm getting at is what we learn through parenting and also how we relate to other people. Like when we drive cars, instead of insisting on me first, yield to the other. Thinking of the yield sign on the road is such a beautiful sign. May I yield to the other. May I let the other pass. May I let the other in the line of traffic. This kind of thing. May I not be the person that steps on the gas and say, me first, my way first, my will first. No, yield to the other, listen to the other, and to lose always and let everyone else win. This is a trait of valiant souls, generous spirits, and unselfish hearts. If I feel that I'm being overcharged for 
a car repair or food or whatever, taxes, whatever, put this principle into place there too. You know, my loss is someone else's gain. You can still be a person of justice, but not get so bent out of shape and angry when you have to pay more, when you have to give up more, when you have to share more of what, you're ha what you have, even out of your own need. Finally, saying 155, and these are just 11 of the 175 sayings of light and love of St. John of the Cross. Take neither great nor little notice of who is with you or against you, and try always to please God. Ask him that his will be done in you. Love him intensely as he deserves to be loved. So beautiful, so good, these sayings of light and love. And this last one, not worrying about who is with you or against you, as we read with St. Paul in Romans, if God is for us, who can be against us? What can overcome us when we have the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord operative within ourselves? Nothing. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter who likes my social media post and who doesn't. It doesn't matter who likes my podcast and who doesn't. It doesn't matter what's anyone really thinks about me as me but as long as I'm known as a witness to Christ is what matters and I'm a better witness to Christ the more that I love him intensely as he deserves to be loved so may we heed the secret wisdom of Saint John of the Cross by continuing to study his spiritual maxims by ruminating on them over and over and may we be content with such savory breadcrumbs from the spiritual masters like him that lead us back like a trail of breadcrumbs to the life-giving bread become body, blood, soul, and divinity of the Eucharist. Thank you for joining me on the Catholic Fragments podcast where you are equipped to think toward the whole to pray from the heart, and to live as a witness.